First of all, I want to say hello. It's such a privilege to be here tonight. Thank you so much. Wonderful, wonderful young people for inviting me. You don't know, young people, but the week before you asked me to come, I sat at Joe Skinner's table and I said, Joe, I would love to go and speak at All Saints, but I've never been asked. And then a week later, my son says, Mum, would you like to speak at All Saints? And I say, oh, Oh, I don't, I don't know, Joe, are you sure about that? And he said, well, Mum, the topic is standing firm with the shoes of peace. And I think, whoa, well, I've been working on a sermon on standing firm for the last two years. How could I say no? So I played it really cool and said, well, I'll just check with my diary, Joey. And inside, I was, yes! So tonight, of course, I'm very controlled and calm. And I've got my lovely group of supporters at the front who come. And um, it, it's, it's, I'm really delighted to be here. And tonight, I think some of you are going to hear some very familiar words from Ephesians. Some of you are going to be challenged because I'm going to think, oh, let's just look at it perhaps slightly differently. And some of you will think, nope, that's not for me. And that's fine. I am really happy for you to come back to me after. In fact, I'd love it because I've only got a, a few minutes tonight just to share with you what for me has been a very long journey of standing firm. And um, I, I don't mind if you disagree. I don't mind you asking me later. But what I would say, we're all learning. I love the fact that this church says that we are a church on the way. We haven't got there yet. We are all still learning together. So please, would you bear in mind that tonight I do have my L plates with me. What I am telling you tonight is very much a work in progress. I'm still learning. I'm still learning about standing firm. Anyway, let's get to our text. Stand firm then with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Stand firm then with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Stand firm then with readiness. Be ready because of the gospel of peace. What we're going to do first of all is I'm going to look at this and think, well, what did this mean to the Ephesians who read it 2,000 years ago? And then I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story. But we have to start with the text, because my story is not important. It's the text, which is the most important bit, because the Bible, I found, has been the thing that has just helped me and supported me through my whole life. And it's the thing that I come back to again and again, and it doesn't fail. So the text is where we start. So these words are part of the closing letter that Paul has written to a church at Ephesus. Some of you will know Paul, the Apostle Paul, has this Damascus Road conversion, and he feels that God has called him to be an apostle to the Gentiles, which is, quite frankly, very shocking, unheard of, because the Gentiles are like, whoa, so far away from God over there. But Paul feels, yeah, that's what I need to do. So he goes around about the Roman Empire, telling the Gentiles about Jesus and setting up churches. When you read the eyewitness account that Lucas made in Acts, I just get the sense that Paul really loved the people in Ephesus. He loved those Ephesians. 
He spent a couple of years with them. He really wanted them to be really, really sure about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I sensed that he had a real deep love and affection for them. But Paul has a hotline to God. Do you know those people? Do you meet them? People who seem to spend a lot of time with Jesus and they just know stuff and they just kind of pick things up and they've got this like sixth sense that they just know stuff. Well, Paul had this hotline and he tells the Ephesians before he goes, he says, look out. Savage wolves are on their way. Savage wolves are coming. Look out. And so we then turn to Ephesians a few years later, and he's actually writing this in prison, probably in Rome. The ironic thing is that we're told in Acts that rumor was that he took an Ephesian to the temple in Jerusalem And that was the thing that kind of started off the uproar and arrest because that was no way should you let a Gentile into the temple in Jerusalem. It was so holy and just for, well, actually not just for the Jews because a whole load of Jews were excluded (coughs) because they were ill or they were children or they were women. It was basically just for the men. So let's not go on that one tonight. (laughs) Okay, so he's writing this letter. He knows it's very likely he's going to be executed He's thinking, this could be the last time I communicate with them. And those savage wolves are coming. How are they going to stand firm? What do I need to tell them so that they stand firm? How can I prepare them for that? And he's surrounded by Roman soldiers, isn't it? So he just looks up and thinks, well, that's it. Soldiers, they've got to put on the armor. They've got to get the full kit on. It's like they're going to be in a battle. Good against evil, light against darkness. I'm going to use this metaphor of a soldier, a Roman soldier, and I'm going to use the bits of the armor to help them stand firm. And I know that in the previous weeks you've done bits and pieces, and tonight is what's on their feet. Stand firm then with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. How would the Ephesians have understood the gospel of peace? Because we need to think, how did they understand it before we can think how it applies to us? The gospel of peace. The gospel of peace is the good news of peace. Gospel means good news, good news of peace. And the gospel of peace, Paul talks about it in the first half of his book. In chapter 2, he says the gospel of peace is the fact that there's peace between Jew and Gentile. You're just one now. There's no difference. But not only that, there's peace between you and God. So the gospel of peace is about those Gentiles who were previously thought they were excluded from the family of God and now welcomed and included and accepted. It is really good news. In Hebrew, the word peace is shalom. And this means much more than the absence of war. So in Hebrew, what, this, what Paul is saying is put on the shoes, which are the gospel of shalom. God's shalom, God's peace. And that is an inner wholeness, a rest, 
a completeness, a sense of safety that only God brings. So Paul is saying, put on the gospel of peace. And the gospel of peace is your connection to God that makes you feel whole and secure. Paul knows that because these savage wolves are on their way, they have to be able to stand firm. And the only way they can stand firm is they can really firmly grasp the immensity of that gospel, that they are now connected to God, they've got access to heaven. It's like there's an open heaven right over them. They've got this new status, new way of living. But that only comes as it's revealed to them by the Holy Spirit. So he tells them at the start of Ephesians, I pray that God will reveal this to you. You need the Holy Spirit to be able to see this, because this is, in fact, something that's invisible. You can't see this. And I really want you to understand that, yeah, you live in the everyday world, and you go to the market, and you make your food, and you tell your kids off. Remember, you have this spiritual life where you're connected to God. Remember that, because that's how you're going to stand firm. You've got a new spiritual perspective on life that helps you understand what you're going through. Four days ago, I stood on Hadrian's Wall. And that was pretty cool. That was the first time. And in a nearby exhibition, I saw what Roman soldiers really wore on their feet. Now, up until this point, I kind of thought they wore these like sandals that you might wear to Sardinia. You know, and that was really nice and cool. Perhaps something with a bit of a rubber because they, you know, they had to go long distances. But that's not what they wore on their feet. They wore these things and embedded in their so were spikes. One to three inches long. Lots of spikes. So the shoe that the Roman soldier wore had loads of spikes in it, enabling him to stand firm but also, Roman soldiers were able to cover a lot of ground very quickly, so they were ready to go. But also, you know, if the enemy comes a bit close, what are you can do? Straight in the face, isn't it? Okay, so yeah, shoes are an offensive weapon too. Well, fantastic. So Paul is saying, get those shoes on, guys. Trouble is coming. Get your spikes on. Really? Do you think he's saying that? I do. So um, I went to the gift shop because I wanted to bring you these things because I was quite shocked about it. They didn't have any that I could buy. So I brought you the next best thing. I don't have the Roman soldier sandals of peace. I do have Sebastian's rugby boots. Sebastian, could you come out here a second, please, sweetheart? Thanks, Joe. Okay, these are such cool boots. Did you know they've got like an inner bit there as well? I won't ask you how much they were, but I am going to ask you a couple of questions. Could you tell me, these are your boots. Can you tell me just two things? Oh, it's a bit of mud, sorry. (laughs) Two things, three things that these boots need to do. You chose these boots because these boots would... Uh, They'd help me grip. Grip. Excellent. Uh, they look good. They look good. <laughs> oh, it's Sebastian, isn't it? So come on, that's got to be in there somewhere. Um, and they're comfy. They're comfy. Okay. So on the field when you're playing rugby, the aim is to stand firm and look good. 
Oh, I suppose a bit of stability is good. A bit of stability, so you're very stable and you're looking really good. Is there anything else that you have to do in rugby to win? To win? To win. You have to score a try. And so how would you score a try? By placing the ball on the opposition's try line. Okay, and to get there, you would need to... Run. (laughs) Run very fast. Yes! Okay! We've got there. Thank you, Sebastian. So Sebastian's rugby boots enable him to stand firm, look good, but run fast when he needs to. But of course, you would never use them against the opposition, would you? He said no, Monica. Okay, that's fantastic. That's really good. So let's get the rugby boots on. That's good. So Paul believes that for them to stand firm, they've got to be wearing their spiritual rugby boots. Stand firm, be ready for action. We're going to fast forward now, 2,000 years. We're going to leave the Roman Empire behind, and we're going to come to Bath, and we're going to come to my house. Two years ago, I'm doing theology, and it's great. I'm studying with Mandy Forkus. It's wonderful. I've got four kids, and it's great. Life's busy. You know, it has its up and downs. But on the whole, it's good. I do a bit of preaching in my church, and yeah, everything's fine. And then suddenly, bam! I find myself on the floor. I'm just knocked off my feet. Something happens in my home, which is my safe place. It's like in Psalm 46, it says, it talks about the ground being taken away. And for me, it was like the ground was suddenly taken away from me. Everything that was solid and reliable that I could trust in was gone. Because I suddenly realized that a black dog had come to live in my home. Some of you may have black dogs. Some of you here may know that the black dog, Winston Churchill, used it to describe his depression. And the black dog has been used a lot by the author Matthew Johnson to talk about living with depression. Now tonight, I'm not talking specifically about depression. Because I'm going to use this term black dog in a very broad sense to describe the the long-term tough, serious problems that we experience either ourselves or with a family member or with a close friend, which can lead us to losing our balance and lead to extreme stress and anxiety. I'm talking about serious illness, redundancy, relationship breakdown. I've had the privilege to be working with Clive and Joe doing some mentoring at our local secondary school. So I've seen at first hand the pressure that you young people are under. And I've seen vast number of children and young people who are experiencing severe mental health issues. I've been really shocked by these vulnerable people and support isn't always there. 
None of us are immune to the black dogs. And some of you know a little bit of my story. Some of you know a lot. Some of you know none of this. It doesn't matter what the black dog is. I guess some of you are going to feel, yeah, I, I know what that is. I know what it's like to live with a black dog in my home. And for me, I felt that I was living on a skateboard. The skateboard is a new addition to our home. We got it just before half term. It's not mine. We've just been on holiday to Northumberland. At every motorway service station, the skateboard came out. At every shop, the skateboard came out. At every car park, the skateboard came out. At every beach, the skateboard came out until we pointed out that actually the sand may clog up, so you just need to bring it back into the canal. So the skateboard has been an important part of our lives. But actually, I found that I'm, I'm not very good at skateboarding. I'm really scared at skateboarding. Is there anybody here that's got really good balance? John O, apparently it's you. And John O is saying, no, no, because I'm so cool here tonight. John O, can you come out the front, please? Okay, tonight, John O, for the first time at All Saints Church, this is your challenge. You can do a bit of a warm-up. Okay, you take the skateboard from the front to the back, where Ruth is. Okay, and then what I want you to do is I want you to skateboard down the front and then about halfway along, I just want you to get on it, balance, hands in the air, none of this kind of stuff, hands in the air, do a controlled stop at the front. Okay, you ready? Go. You can do your warm-up. I don't mind how you warm-up. Oh, so cool, so cool. Have you been on a skateboard before? Okay. Could you tell me a rough estimate how many times you've been on a skateboard? Is it A, 5, B, 50, or C, more than 100? More than 100. Okay. So there you go. The more you do it, the more you learn, the better you get at balancing. Thank you very much. So I've had to learn how to balance because stuff came into my life that just knocked me flat. It was really, really shocking. It was awful. It was horrible. But I tell you what, I can just fly on my spiritual skateboard now. I am so good at standing firm most of the time. I have to say, a lot of you have really, really helped me in my journey, so thank you very much. Now, it's a short talk, so I'm just giving you edited highlights of three things that I've learned as I've learned to stand firm. Okay, the first thing is that I believe that the gospel of peace eliminates fear. I believe that the gospel of peace, if you believe it, eliminates fear. Fear, anxiety, and stress are just big problems in our society, aren't they? Who here is immune from any of those? When you live with a black dog, 
you live with fear. And it's horrible. Fear stops you in your tracks and you are unable to go forward. So what happens is, when you live with a black dog, you see what's happening. And you hear what's happening. And your brain interprets that as, look what's happening, look what's going on. And because of what you, how you interpret that, you think, well, I think this is going to happen. I believe this is going to happen. And what you think, what you believe, affects how you feel. And you feel scared. What if this goes wrong? What if this never gets better? What if this happens? And you begin to imagine all kinds of scenarios. And this affects your response. You're stressed. You're crying. You're short-tempered. And you can't cope. Franklin Roosevelt said in his inaugural address, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And I found that when I was fearful, my life just stopped. So I really needed to deal with fear. And the gospel of peace, the gospel of God's shalom, there is no fear. There's a passage in Habakkuk, which is a very old part of the Bible, some ancient writings. I'm just going to look it up. It's Habakkuk chapter 3. And Habakkuk was just a farmer. But he was somebody who really liked to see and liked to work out what was going on. And Habakkuk says this, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and their fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stall, As I'm looking around, I see nothing that makes me feel good. I see nothing that should cheer me up. I see no reason for joy whatsoever. Yet, I will rejoice in God. And I'm going to be joyful in God. So Habakkuk had this amazing ability to see in the natural, but also see, but there's another way of looking at things, another perspective. And that's what Paul wanted those Ephesians to have. And that's what I've learned to do. I've learned to kind of live here in the natural world where I can see this black dog and I can see what effect it's having. But I've also learned to live here. And here is the shalom of God. And I've learned to live believing that there is a God. God loves me. And God wants it to be well in my soul. And what has happened, how I actually get from here, which is a place of fear, to here, which is a place of inner rest, is when I couldn't cope with it anymore, I went into my bedroom and I shut the door and I said, I can't do it, God. I feel like I'm dying inside because of this black dog. And what happened was just so kind of weird and mysterious. And it happened again and again and again without fail. It was like, it was like God was saying, shh, I've got it covered. Shh, you're okay. And that was it. But that was enough to put my soul at rest so then I could go back out and be in the family home and deal with whatever I needed to. So I believe that when we're wearing the shoes of peace, we may be perplexed, 
We may be in a place of grief and sorrow, but it can still be well with our souls. And when it is well with your soul, you can stand firm. And I just wish somebody told me that when I was 15. And I didn't learn it when I was 50. Because when it's well with your soul, you can do anything. So that's the first thing I learned. Believing the gospel of peace eliminates fear. The second thing I learned was that the darkest moments are opportunities to experience greatest light. Living with a black dog is a roller coaster. You know, sometimes you get small victories and you think, yes, we're on our way, it's over, it's finished. A couple more weeks, a couple of months and it's done with. And then you take a small step backwards and it's like, this is never going to end. We're always going to have this black dog living with us. It's a roller coaster. But very early on, I prayed with Helen Simpson and Mandy Focus, two people who come here, and they, they prayed something very interesting for me. They prayed that in this journey that I was taking, I would have some new experiences of love. And I thought, I don't need new experiences of love. I feel okay, thank you. I just want it to be sorted. That was an interesting prayer. And it's been answered in quite an amazing way. Because I found that at the blackest moments, at the darkest times, they have always been followed by an increased sense of sharing or intimacy within our family network. And it might be something small, like we've had this terrible thing that's happened, and then just before I'm going to bed, I'm brushing my teeth, and somebody comes and says, kisses me on the cheek and says, good night, mum. Now, that might be normal to you, but it's not normal in my house. And that is like, where did that come from? That has not happened for two years. Whoa, that is a new experience of love. And it's those new experiences of love have been like kind of way markers for me, like little lights to kind of light up the ways I've been feeling my way in the darkness. And brilliant. It's just been wonderful and so enriching. And it's given me such a sense of God with us because God is love. And I think God is with us on this journey. Last thing. Living with a black dog has made me ready for action. Because the text is, stand firm then with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And if you are choosing to live not in the natural world, but you're choosing to live in the shalom of God, the fullness, the grace, the love of God's shalom poured out into your life, then somehow you are ready for action. And what would happen after each of those moments when I was broken and on the floor in despair in my bedroom, somehow I would leave clothed with strength and dignity. That's what it says in Proverbs 31. She's a woman who's clothed with strength and dignity and she laughs at the future. Well, I haven't started laughing at the future yet. I'm not quite there. But in two years' time, perhaps I will be there because we are journeying on this. So I feel I've been clothed with strength and dignity. And every time I've been down, every time I've fallen off the skateboard, I've been able to rise up. And 
In a minute, I'm going to play you one of my favorite songs, which is just such a wonderful, wonderful song. It's, it's Rise Up by Andrew Day. You might have heard it on Doctor Who a few weeks ago. Go back on iPlayer and watch it. It's really, really good. So we look at this, this, this video, and the, the words are, she wrote it after one of her friends was struggling with cancer. And it says, I'll rise up unafraid. I'll rise up high like the waves. I'll rise up in spite of the ache. I'll rise up and I'll do it a thousand times again. And that's what I've been able to do, just keep rising up because I'm trying to live in the shalom of God. But something else has happened to me. I'm also ready for action in my community too. And I found that actually living through the experience of having a black dog in my home and seeing the profound and amazing and wonderful and absolutely glorious result of living and walking with God in that time made me think, hey, we need to change things out there. And I found that I've become very angry with what's happening, particularly in young people and the mental health issues. And I actually don't know what I'm going to be doing, but I just feel, hey, we need to be doing something at this time for this group of people. Just like in, we're going to think about people in Malawi who are struggling. We can think about the people on our doorstep. And I'm just thinking, well, we have got so much if we are people on the way. We have got so much that we can give and share. What's my part? What's the bit that I need to do? One of my friends sent me um, a wonderful text. Thanks, Sarah, sitting at the front. It's from George Eliot in Middlemarch. And it says, By desiring what is perfectly good, even when we don't quite know what it is, and can't do what we'd want to, we are part of the divine struggle against evil. Widening the skirts of light and making the struggle with darkness narrower. I love that. We can be part of this struggle against evil. We can put on our shoes of peace. We can widen the skirts of life wherever our beginnings of belief are and we can make the struggle with darkness narrower. Now, I think I'm just a normal person. I like chocolate. I like to have a glass of wine on Friday night. I watch The Good Wife on Amazon Prime. I get cheesed off if my kids leave their muddy shoes at the front door. And I really don't think it's necessary to have one towel on the floor, let alone two, three, four, five, or six towels on your bedroom floor. I'm really normal. But I choose to have dual vision and to stand firm. I've chosen to live in what I call the supernatural realm of the kingdom of God. And it's living there has enabled me to stand firm. I believe the gospel of peace is true for everyone and everyone is included and welcomed and accepted. And I believe that the power of the gospel of peace can be used as a force, as a very powerful force to push back the forces of darkness that we see around us in our world today. You're going to listen to the song in a minute, but can I just pray for you wonderful, lovely, gorgeous people? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you so much that you are our expert guide. 
you lead us into the truth and you show us Jesus. And when we have seen Jesus, we've seen the Father. And I just pray that you will take the words that I've said and anything that's just rubbish, I pray it'll just fall to the waste ground. But the things that are, that are really important for individuals, that they would just take root, they'd grow, and you would water them and bring forth a harvest. In Jesus' name, amen.